Greetings, strange squirrel friends. It's your best Judy, Emma. Oh, and I'm Sarah Palin's new campaign manager, and I too can see Russia from my house. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I tell you, it's true. I'm James. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, uh, ye all strange wanderers, to the show uh, where it's all in the title. <laughs> it really is. All in the stupid, stupid title. Oh, yeah. Uh, this week, I'm here to tell <laughs> all y'all about a murder in the Pan family and the downfall of their dear golden child, Jennifer. It's honestly a truly twisted tale involving murder, psychological warfare, some light fraud, hitmen, and a homeboy. A homeboy? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. You definitely won't want to miss it. Later on, I'm taking you to the insanely haunted Alton, Illinois, for the strange and spoopy tale of the Reverend Philip Mercer and the First Unitarian Church. Stay tuned, because you are going to want to know what led to this. So you're telling me Disney's Haunted Mansion was based on a true place? Obviously. Shit! I don't think Disney does anything original. Oh, I probably uh, shouldn't say uh, that. Oh! <laughs> oh, Disney, you've been burned. You just bit Ginsburg. <laughs> what do you say we get this kiki started officially? I mean, if you say so, I trust you. I do, or uh, fearless hostess with the mostess. <laughs> uh, welcome, welcome, welcome back to. Uh, let's call it the intersection of true crime and, I'd say, utter stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> that really hits the nail on the head. Yeah, would you call that a fair assessment? More than fair. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of stupidity, did you hear about that? Uh, about what? Oh, um, about Sarah Palin. Uh, she's uh, no. Totally, yeah, you what? did? Elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Palin is running for Congress. Uh, more power to her. Yeah. Would you vote for her? You're on record, so be careful what you say. It can and will be used against you. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, as an anarchist who wants to see men punished for their crimes, I'm all for women in positions of power. Yeah. But maybe not this particular woman. So, no. Mm-hmm. I think my brain's broken because I'm at a point. <laughs> I'm at a point where, like, um, yeah, just I'm comparing everyone to like Betsy DeVos and like you know Marjorie Taylor <laughs> Greene. You know, I. It's hard to feel like Sarah Palin is too bad in hindsight, right? I don't know. My brain doesn't work anymore, so I don't try. No, it's our brains aren't okay. <laughs> no, they're not. None of us are okay. We're all going through crises, but that's okay. Um, it's strange. It really is, and it belongs here. <laughs> so. Okay, I know you want to talk about Drag Race. Have to, have to. Okay, so our resident Drag Race expert, Emma, is going to take us on a Drag Race journey for two seconds. Yeah, two, two seconds. Not much of a journey. We're just... Cut to 30 minutes 30 later. Minutes. <laughs> we're just getting close to the finale, and mm. we're at the top five. Someone's got to go to get to the top four. Yeah, who do you... I mean... Not that we want it to be anybody, obviously. Who do you want it to be, though? Like, devil's advocate. Who devil's do you want advocate. It to be? Yeah. <sighs> okay, I see it going one of two ways. Uh, they pull a gag and no one gets the chop. Or Angeria's kind of faded in the edit and Angie gets the chop. Oh. oh. What about I'm in you? in the middle of a hot topic right here. We are. Um... Ooh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me, even though I knew you would. You know I am yeah, going to. but like part of me was really hoping that you wouldn't. You're not getting out of this question. Um, 
I think Daya's going home. And I hate to say that because I- How very dare you? I love Miss Diabetical. I really do. I'm just- I have a hard time seeing Angie leave, and I'm, they're not going to send home Willow. So for me, it's down to Bosco or Daya. And right? need I remind you, Bosco is the statistical front runner. <sighs> Math is nothing. Okay. You I don't heard know. it I... here, folks. Two hot ticks. <laughs> Two steaming pile of garbage ticks. <laughs> We're here bringing you steaming pile of garbage. It's what we do. Category is. Um. Anything else? Oh, Moon Knight. Oh, hey, I love Moon Knight. Uh, when are those episodes on, anyway? Tuesdays. Tuesdays. 3 a.m. What a convenient time. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I can't wait for the premiere at 3 a.m. Bitch, you know we're going to be up for it. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I guess they know their audience, but if they really knew their audience, they'd bring it out at midnight. Bring it out? <laughs> yeah, they'd roll it out to us. They would... <laughs> They'd release it at midnight. It's you know? true. Like, you know, but it's so good. Yeah, but we need to get our sleep. And we're never going to get our sleep so long as streaming services continue to wait until after midnight to release stuff. No, because I will stay <laughs> up for it. That's my problem in life. <laughs> Same, obviously. Um, Any other business you need to get down to, you business bitch? <laughs> <laughs> um, No. No. I think that about covers it. Okay. Well, I got you heard the Maxinista. That about covers it. Um, what do you say we get into it? Let's do it. Now, Strangelings, it's time for our main event. Yes, it's time to uh, gather your marshmallows, uh, sit around the fire, and we're going to. Roast the marshmallows around the fire, I yeah, guess. I wondered where you were going with that. I got hung up on it. I don't know why. <laughs> it's story time around the campfire, everyone. Gather round. Yes, and this week, our story is taking us to Canada. Ooh, have we been to Canada yet? Not officially. Ooh, oh yeah, that's right. We have had a lot of stories that have intersected with yeah. Canada, but this is our first official Canada. Yes. Canadian show. Yes, get into it. <laughs> I love Canada. Same. And this is the story of Jennifer Pan. Tell me about Jennifer Pan. So Jennifer is the daughter of Bic Ha Pan and Hui Han Pan. Okay, I, I'm so sorry. I read those notes and I literally thought it said bitch. Same. I had name. to look up the pronunciation. Oh my God, I feel so bad. I was like, her name is bitch? <laughs> I, I thought the same thing when I was doing my research, and oh. I was like, gonna have to look up this pronunciation. It's okay. big. Wow. Yeah, you know, your eyes play tricks on you. <clears throat> they do. Shit. So, okay. Bic and Han were both immigrants to Canada from Vietnam. Okay. And they were married in Toronto. And they had Jennifer in 1986 and her brother Felix in 1989. Okay. Hey. Now, by all standards, they're a very typical... Successful family. Yeah. Um, What what kind of success are we talking about? I'm so glad you asked. Well, because, you know, a lot of people say successful family, and, you know, it's more more like potato, tomato. You know what I mean? This is more of a tomato. Okay. Let's get into it. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) I was just going with your analogy. (laughs) But what's the tomato? Uh, Anyway. The tomato's richer. The tomato's richer. You know, that actually does make sense if you, you know, tomato, potato. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think we've all agreed that potato <laughs> equals poverty. Yeah. Tomato richness. <laughs> we've lowered your net worth, potatoes. <laughs> you know what you did. Okay. I so potatoes. <laughs> let's get into the story of their, you'll understand. Yeah. Okay. The Pans worked at Magna International. Now that's uh it's an auto parts manufacturer in Ontario. Okay. And Han worked as a tool and die maker, which means he like literally made the tools and like worked with maintaining the molds that made the car parts. Okay, yeah, so and like made the uh 
the casts. Yeah, for the, like okay, very like money position. Yeah. And Bic made the car parts. Okay. So, and it was important to Bic and Han to work hard and ensure that Jennifer and Felix had the upbringing and opportunities that they themselves had missed out on. Right, okay, well. Growing up in Vietnam. And that's such a universal parental thing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So by 2004, Han and Bic had worked hard enough to purchase a pretty, well, really nice house with a two-car garage in Markham. Oh, no. Which is a city in greater Toronto that has a large Asian population. And this house was bougie. Oh, gosh. Like, like how? Uh, Go ahead, tell me. Give me the details. We would call it an estate. An estate. Oh, my gosh. I want to, like, oh, I'd parish, I'd parasite the shit out of them. Oh, just you know? wait. I would live in their basement. You're yeah. going to want to even more. Wait, which one of us is going to live in the basement, and which is going to be the housekeeper that kind of just, you know, like, hides everything? I hate cleaning, so I think you'll have to be the housekeeper. <laughs> Am I the only one that, like, I'm driving around and I'll see some of these, like, crazy nice houses, and I'm just like... Yeah, maybe I could uh maybe I could parasite them. Oh, no, same. <laughs> like it's the only way to get upward mobility. <laughs> I think it might be. <laughs> Disclaimer, TSP does not condone any kind of violence or stealing of anything. <laughs> wink, wink. So, not only do they purchase this estate. Yeah. Uh Bic drove a Lexus ES300. Okay, there's no need for that. That's a scam. (laughs) And Han drove a Mercedes-Benz. Again, a scam. (laughs) (laughs) And at this point, they had accumulated $200,000 in savings. How? What? Okay, so you get the picture. Yeah, I don't don't understand how you could have that much um, just in savings. Right. So they're doing extremely well. And yeah. they expect the same of their children. Oh, I see. Now I'm thinking it's you know, very succession. Like, uh huh. You, You're getting the picture? Yeah. It's the environment in which they're raised. Yes. Okay. Now, Jennifer's parents set several many goals for her. So, and, the, oh, go I'm, ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just. Like, so was this kind of like a high pressure situation for her? Oh, yeah. Like pressure cooker. For Jennifer, I mean. Yeah. Okay. Now, they had extremely high expectations and standards for Jennifer. She was enrolled in piano lessons at the age of four. Four? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And she was taking figure skating lessons where she literally had to practice almost every day of the week. Okay, that... That's a lot. Yeah. Jennifer actually wanted to become an Olympic figure skating champion until she tore a ligament in her knee. Oh. So, okay. And she's still not done. Jennifer also played the flute in the school band. Love it. Like Fellow band nerds. Yes. She's very well-rounded. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's giving you that success her parents wanted. Yeah, I mean, she literally, she, if, if I were her parents, I would be very proud of her. Right. I mean, like, how could you not be? Right, absolutely. Now, according to one of Jennifer's high school friends, Han was the classic tiger dad. Tiger dad, come again for Big Fudge? What was that now? Uh, so... What? Uh, is it? I, is that like a? Is it like dad bod? Is that like a new type of dad? Like no, the tiger at, dad. <laughs> so tiger dad. Um, I had I'm to read it. about it because I had not heard it. It's okay. a thing in traditional Chinese culture. Okay, and it refers to a parent that's like fully hands on. Oh, like they are not ashamed to let the world know that they expect their children to excel. Okay. Now, like, in practice, we're talking, they believe putting pressure on even young children to achieve academically is good for them. Like, we're so we're talking, like, hardcore studying when you're, like, four, hence the piano lesson. Yes. And now, like, okay. to get a picture, a literal quote from Han, uh-huh. Jennifer's dad, is... 
you know, all we want from you is just your best. Oh. <laughs> no big deal, right? And I'm That's like, all. I'm like, Dad, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> oh, that, that, you know, I, at least they set the bar to, you know, like this reasonable place. And yeah. It's nothing crazy. No, very reasonable expectations. Just yeah. her best. Nothing mm-hmm. less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what like what's better than your best? Like the, the bar is literally at the upper most, the highest. Yeah, that's horrible. Now, taking this tiger parenting style to the extreme, oh, the pans would pick Jennifer up when her classes ended every day, and they would monitor her. Oh, what do you call it? extracurricular activities? Very closely. Oh. So they were like they were helicopter parents and very that they were very in charge of everything. Very that. So they had everything scheduled out on the whiteboard. I'm guessing. Yes, like Han and Bick never let Jennifer date while she attended high school. Okay, they never let her attend the dances. Oh my! Well, that's just stupid. Yeah, no. Her parents are like, nah. All of that's gonna distract you from your academics. I mean. Yeah, but isn't that kind of the point? Right. Like, have a little fun? (laughs) Yeah, well, you got to balance it out, right? Can't be all work. Exactly. But here's the thing. It doesn't stop when she finishes high school. Like when she turns 18 and stuff? Right. By the age of 22? Uh Uh-oh. Jennifer had never been to a club. She had never been drunk. She had never even visited a friend's apartment or gone on vacation without her family. Okay. Um... It's kind of sheltered. I mean, I can relate in, in some ways. Yeah. But and, that's, that's pretty extreme. And Jennifer and her friends even kind of thought this upbringing was restrictive and oppressive. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, it's hard not to. And you know what, Jennifer? Me fucking too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think people need a little room to breathe and develop into their own identity mm-hmm. and their own independently functioning and thinking person outside of their family. Yeah. And Absolutely. Jennifer wasn't getting that. Yeah, she was um, actively being kept from that. Right. But, you know, she is meeting these expectations in school. She's getting straight A's. That's impressive. She, you know, she's excelling in extracurriculars. She even gets early admission into Ryerson University, her first choice school. Oh, that's pretty awesome. You know, first choice. She's... Wow. She's like the perfect child her parents always wanted. Okay, so they got what they wanted. Yeah, what more could they ask for? Yeah. They, um, in Han's words, they literally considered Jennifer their golden child. Oh. Ew. Right, gross. (laughs) I don't don't love that, but I get it. I get what they're saying. Now, here's the reality. What do you mean? I'm going to spin it on you. So... Like I said, we're going to get into the reality of Jennifer Pan. All was not as it appeared, I see. Exactly. Okay. So, despite these expectations placed on Jennifer, her grades in high school were actually just okay. Really? Except what? well, except for music. Yeah. What happened to the straight A's? Well, she was actually just getting B's. But... Which isn't, let's be fair, it's not bad. Like, sure, you're not graduating with honors, but feeling the pressure from her parents, she would actually forge report cards using false templates so it looked like she had straight A's. What? Yeah. That didn't even occur to me. I'm so lame. Like, I didn't even think of that. Same. I just took the L where it happened. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) Bitch, please. What? I, you, I failed you never so failed many anything. That's not true. Get out. I've totally failed stuff. Yeah, I, um, I'm here to set the record straight. You've never failed anything, and it's fine. I got a D in chemistry. Does that count? Still not failing. Yeah, but it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> so, in 12th grade, Jennifer fails calculus. And Ryerson University rescinds her early admission. Oh. And 
Just because she failed calculus? Yes. Oh, well, that's a little harsh, don't you think? <laughs> she had a right to know. <laughs> now, since Jennifer cannot bear to be perceived as a failure, she begins to lie to, well, everyone she knows, including her parents, Obvi. Yeah. And pretends that she's still fucking going to be attending university. So her life is just like falling apart and she's just like, no, it's not. Very that. I love it. Great uh, attitude. Same energy. <laughs> There's no impending destruction. It's actually going to be the subject of a self-help book I'm writing right now. It's called <laughs> I, Just Give Up. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> just go with it and lie. <laughs> so now, instead of attending university, Jennifer's sitting in cafes or giving piano lessons or working in a restaurant. So she's just doing whatever the fuck she wants, shooting the shit. Exactly. Flying on the breeze or whatever. Exactly. Okay. Now, in order to maintain the charade of being a university student, Jennifer well, yeah. told her parents that she had won scholarships, so they didn't even have to pay anything. That's diabolical. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have to pay anything, right? Brilliant. <laughs> God. She even goes so far as to say she's accepted into the pharmacology program at the University of Toronto later. Like on top of it? Yes. <laughs> like uh, like a, a graduate program, if you will. Oh my God. Uh, she then goes to the extent of purchasing secondhand textbooks and watching videos related to pharmacology in order to create notebooks full of fake class notes that she could show her parents. So she is fully acting out the fantasy. Like she is feeling her fantasy. You can't tell her a damn thing. Oh, God. You know, sometimes I wish I were capable of those level, the superhuman levels of delusion. Like you know those, what I mean? Yes. Mm -hmm. Just feeling it. Yeah. I mean, God, you could just like. You could get away with so much. Well, not even that. You wouldn't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you could say you were you were doing everything. <laughs> do the bare minimum. It's like the lazy person's dream. Uh, it really is. I know. So now, Jennifer also requested for permission from her parents to stay near the campus with a friend throughout the week, but she's actually staying with her boyfriend, Daniel Chi Kwong Wong. Oh, so she's she's dating too. Yeah, which is okay. like, which I okay, mean, she's an adult, so like not so scandalous. No, but, a lot of adults date, but <laughs> she has to lie to do it. That is kind of weird, I'm right? Not gonna lie. Um, I I almost wonder, like, how bad would it have been if she just told her parents? Like, I don't even know where this story is going, but I'm thinking, why not just tell them? You know, that seems like an awful lot of work. Well, to hide. Hold that thought. Oh, I will. <laughs> so now, while Jennifer's pretending to complete this degree at the University of Toronto, she told her parents that she started working as a volunteer at the Hospital for Sick Children. Now, that's really what it's called. I see your face. The Hospital for Sick Children? Yeah, that's really what it's called. Even worse, it's corporately branded as Sick Kids. Okay, is this a real place, or is this something she made up? It's a real place. I I, I researched into it. It's a real place. Oh, my gosh. All one Did word. we name it? No, it would, has such a stupid name, you would think we named it. You would think so, but no. Yeah. Now, back to our story. Han oh, our story is about the bad name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, Han and Bick become suspicious of Jennifer's malarkey <laughs> when they realize, hey... Jennifer doesn't have any kind of hospital ID badge or uniform. So, um, What's up with that? Yeah, how long did it take? She carried this on for two years. And they didn't think to, you know... Yeah. yeah. Just check. No. So on one occasion, you know. Bick even follows Jennifer to work. Uh -oh. You can't see, but I'm doing the little air quote thing. You can't really do air quotes on a podcast, No, sweetie. but I, it was fun. <laughs> no, I saw it. It worked for me. See, you get it. What do you do instead of air quotes or bunny ears? Yeah. Do you just do you say that out? you're let doing me know. <laughs> when you find out, I'll let you know. Thank you. When I find out, you let me know that I know that you know that I found out that you know that I found out exactly. that you found out that you exactly. know. We're all on the same page. 
like I said, Bick decides to play Inspector Gadget, <laughs> and she follows Jennifer to Air Bunny's work. Mm-hmm. Go-Go Gadget binoculars. Exactly. And That's a wonderful image, so thank you for that. <laughs> well, and Bick quickly discovers, hey, Jennifer's full of shit. And her and Han are obviously gooped and shocked. And yeah. Han wants to kick Jennifer out of the house. But Bick's like, nah. And persuades him to let her stay. Huh. Now, in even more of a shocker, it turns out Jennifer had not even completed high school. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, what? You heard me. How far? How far back is this going to go? Like, is it? Are we going to find out that she didn't get her um, preschool certification? Yeah, her yeah, no. Preschool. She didn't get her vaccines um, when she was a baby. Like, she forged her birth certificate <laughs> as a an infant. <laughs> Stay tuned. So, she had not completed high school. Again, due to failing calculus. Yeah, that'll do it's it. It's the gift that keeps on giving for Jennifer. <laughs> oh, good for her. I bet she loves that. <laughs> so she eventually does begin working to finish high school completely, and her parents are like, hey, why don't you actually go to university? Yeah, like, for real. Yeah, like, <laughs> for realsies this time. <laughs> but they're like, maybe... You shouldn't contact Daniel, your boyfriend. So they forbid her from doing so. Oh, because dating's just a distraction, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And she's forbidden from going anywhere but her piano teaching job. Okay, well, that's ridiculous. And that how, That's not logistical. That but, is not being pragmatic. But that's big. the plan. Wow. So, now, obviously... Not one to really abide by these things. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Obviously. continues to speak to Daniel in secret anyway. Of course. Now, and like I mentioned, all in all, Jennifer kept her scheme of attending university going for more than two years. I'm very impressed. I mean, I again, TSP does not condone fraud. But this is kind of uh, impressive. I thought the same thing. That's why when I was reading about this, I was like, I have to cover this. Mm-hmm. No, I get it. I, I, it makes me think of Catch Me If You Can or something like, I don't know. Very she's that. Just, right? <laughs> she's, just, she's going for it. Hard. She, bold moves are being made by <laughs> Jennifer. By the time Jennifer was 24, Daniel was pretty tired of trying to pursue a relationship with her. Well, and probably felt like it was a dead end. Right, because she's so restricted by her parents. Because yeah. she lives at home and can only meet in secret. Yeah, that'll, that'll uh, put a thorn in the side of any relationship. <laughs> yeah, so Daniel breaks up with her and is like, hey, uh, no offense, I'm probably going to go date other people. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Now, to fully get the scope of this story, we have to backtrack. Uh, can't speak. Words are ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, like... We just put these little letters together, and we're supposed to remember them. And they mean things. <laughs> I know. So we have to backtrack to spring of 2010. Jennifer was in contact with a high school friend, Andrew Montemayor, who introduced Jennifer to a guy named Ricardo Duncan, who Jennifer claims... She gave $1,500 to kill her father in the parking lot at his workplace. Excuse me? Okay, first of all, way to just escalate the shit out of this. <laughs> um, second of all, $1,500? Really? Yeah. Like, really? For less than the price of, like, a, I don't know, a MacBook Pro or whatever? <laughs> like, right. really? She's not offering much here. Oh, God. I now, mean, it's all horrible, but I don't know. Shocked by that sticker. You think it costs more. So, however, Ricardo alleges that Jennifer actually gave him $200 for a, quote, night out. Oh. And does, does that mean what I think it means? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. okay. And I mean, he returned it and blew her off when she asked him to kill her parents. Okay, that sounds more like something that would happen in reality. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. this will all come into context later. Okay. So, also, at the same time, Jennifer and Daniel are back in contact. Uh, 
That was fast, right? Wow. And they come up with a plan to hire a professional hitman. Okay. (laughs) What's a professional hitman? Do I even want to know? Is that a real thing? It's a very real thing. It's a real thing. That's so stupid. Hey, what do you do for a living? I'm a professional hitman. Well, I don't think they talk about it. (laughs) Okay, you got me there. You got me. (laughs) I think they'd be like, oh, I... Work for Google. You know, they probably have a lie. <laughs> I like to think that we live in this world, like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, where people are just going to be honest. Okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm a hitman. Yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm a hitman. Yeah. Let me know how that works out for you, honey. I bet he's got a card, a stack of cards, you know, <laughs> with his name on it. It says professional hitman and his phone number, his address. I mean, why not? What could go you know? wrong? They do, they do need to make contacts, and what better way? Exactly. Um, you going to tell me word of mouth is enough to grow it, a business alone? No. It's not. No. Okay, you know what? I, I'm on your side now. <laughs> Thank you. So they want to hire a professional hitman for $10,000 to kill Bick and Han. That's ridiculous. You and me both agree on that. <laughs> you and I? You and me? Whatever. I. You and I agree on that. (laughs) So now they calculate that Jennifer would inherit $500,000 if they do this. But I'm like, bitch, you failed math. Where do you come up with this random number? Yeah, I'm not trusting that. I don't trust her math. No, straight from the get-go. And now they're also going to plan that they're going to move in together after they kill her parents. They've got it all figured out. Okay. What's that going to do? Are they just, just going to... So they can finally be together, and they're going to have all this money. Okay. <laughs> now, Daniel also connected Jennifer with a man named Lenford Roy Crawford, who they referred to as Homeboy. No, they did yeah. not. Yeah, so from here on out... No. I'm going to call oh. him Homeboy. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Because it's fun. Homeboy. So... There's really a person out there that's like, hi, my name is Homeboy. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Crawford. He goes by Homeboy. Okay. Okay. You know what? Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You've convinced me. It's widely known. I, yeah. (laughs) So Daniel also gave Jennifer a SIM card and an iPhone so that she could contact Homeboy without using her (laughs) actual phone. Okay. It's hard for me to take you <laughs> seriously as you call him homeboy, but I'm go- I'm, I'm going to try. I told you that's his name. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm- so now, homeboy, mm-hmm. that's his name. Mm-hmm. Homeboy contacts another man named Eric Sean Sniper Cardi. <laughs> so are you? Re- are- no, I'm Are not. you suggesting that his name is Sniper? Yes, that's what his name was. But I won't be calling him that. He doesn't come up much. Well, I kind of... If you're... You got to call him Sniper. Okay, I'll call him Sniper. We've got Homeboy and Sniper. <laughs> yeah. This is honestly turning into a great cast. <laughs> so, Sniper, in turn, contacts David Milvaganum. <laughs> yeah. It, this will all make sense later. I promise. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm with you. Now, you're probably wondering, where can all of this be going? Cut to the Pan House on November 8th, 2010. Okay. Jennifer unlocks the front door of the family home when she goes to bed. Then she speaks on the phone to David Milvaganum. Yeah. Shortly afterwards, David and two other people enter the home through the unlocked front door carrying guns. Oh, shit. Yes. So it's going down. Now, in the court testimony, the Crown didn't establish the identity of the other two hitmen. Why not? Uh, were they not able to? Or? Uh, Daniel and Homeboy were at work. Yeah. And what about Sniper? Sniper, <laughs> uh, who contacted David, uh he stated that he was only the driver for the three men who broke into the house and that he selected them and was involved in plotting the attack. But he wasn't in the house. 
So if I'm if I'm getting this correctly, Sniper was just a driver. And a plotter. Okay, well, if you have a name like Sniper, <laughs> I think it's fair that you go into the world thinking that people will assume you're like a main character in the story. Right. <laughs> he... I have a hard time believing someone named Sniper was just a baby driver. <laughs> that would be his exactly. name. <laughs> his name's not Baby Driver, it's Sniper. Exactly. You get it. So, after demanding all of the money in the Pan's house and tearing apart Han and Bick's bedroom, the three men took Bick and Han to the basement where they shot them multiple times. Oh, God. That's brutal. Yes. Just... Just drag you down to the basement and bloop. That's it? That's it. Oh, that's, I don't know that's why. That's the that, extent of it. I don't know why, but that that, that bothers me. No. <laughs> no. What I mean to say is I don't like, know why. <laughs> I know. Like, what? I mean, like, it's somehow worse. I think it's because it's so cold. Yeah, it's just so simple and cold and, like, gross. Boom, and, you're done. Yeah, like, just... No, no, there are no emotions. There's no humanity. Exactly. In any of it. And it's just, yeah, it's especially disgusting. Um, now, Bick was killed, but Han survived. Oh, good. Honestly, good. I thought, I I was thinking that they were both going to die. So I, I, that's why I wanted to just get the bad stuff out of the way and then give you a hopeful note. Thank you for that. Yes. You know, I have a delicate constitution. You do. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay. So the three men took all of the cash that was in the house and left. Jennifer claims that the three men tied her up, but that she managed to free her hands and dial 911. Oh, I smell a stunt. Sounds pretty fishy to <laughs> me. And you're not the only one thinking that. Okay, okay. Now, Jennifer was arrested on November 22nd, 2010. It's during her third interview with the police that Jennifer admits she hired the killers. But she claims that she hired them to kill her and not her parents. You can't see how much my eyes rolled, but I almost had an aneurysm from it's rolling true. my eyes so hard. <laughs> Oh, my eyes hurt. Oh, no, no. Um, that is ridiculous. But can you believe it? Oh, yeah. I buy it. No. I, I mean, who would? Exactly. <laughs> the stories are becoming <sighs> more outlandish than the college fraud. Literally. I didn't think that was possible, but somehow she has really outdone herself. Absolutely. Okay, what else does Jennifer have to serve up? I'm ex- I'm, I, I have to know. So, before we get into that. David Milvaganum gets arrested on April 14th, 2011, at a mall in Ontario. I'm sorry, Toronto. Was Robin Sparkles there? I wish. I'm sorry, in my fantasy, Robin Sparkles is at every Canadian mall right now. Seeing Let's All Go to the Mall. Mm-hmm. The exactly. whole time. Or Sandcastles in the Sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. All of her great hits. I, I really like the... Um, all three of her hit song. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. B.S. I love you. <laughs> exactly. It was my, my favorite. It was a real deep cut. was. My personal favorite is obviously Sandcastles in the Sand. You know, I'm a emotionally, emotionally brooding woman. Uh, you are, I know. I And I do love that song. I just can't listen to it. It makes me cry every time. I <laughs> Uh, it's the depth of Robin Sparkles. Mm-hmm. I fall apart every so, time. Getting back to our story before we go off on another tangent. I love tangents. Here? Who? Never. What about cosines? Who? <laughs> that was a horrible geometry dad joke. You're welcome for that. What's geometry? <laughs> Bitch, I failed math just like Jennifer. This is such a highbrow podcast. Uh I live. Never. (laughs) No. So returning to our story. Sniper was arrested on April 15th, 2011 at a prison he was already being held at. Come on now. In Ontario. Oh. I've never heard of such a thing. 
so so he committed another crime in the short period of time? In the short time. time. Oh, that's got to yeah. be some kind of record. It's probably not, but it's it should be. It's probably not, but it should be, yeah. It definitely should be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now, Daniel Wong was arrested on April 26, 2011 at his job, mm-hmm. which is Good. like, that's always kind of fun when that happens. I know, isn't it? It's like the ultimate, like, middle finger. Literally, like... No, you shouldn't get away with this, and they should embarrass yeah, you. Yeah, honestly, there are some times where I'm just like, that's right, embarrass the <laughs> shit out of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we all do it. We Don't do. Don't act all high and mighty. Why do you listen to these podcasts? <laughs> exactly. Now, the final suspect, homeboy, Ooh. <laughs> was arrested on May 4th, 2011 in Brampton. Okay. They got homeboy. They got homeboy. Oh, they got homeboy. Not homeboy. Not. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer and her accomplice's trial began on March 19th, 2014 in Newmarket, York, Ontario. Mm -hmm. Which It's so weird to me that Canadian places have three, like, (laughs) I'm American. I had, don't worry. I had the same thought when you said it. I was like, that sounds like an awful lot of words. Like, Right. (laughs) I don't know. You get me. We're dumb Americans. What can we do about it? (laughs) (laughs) So their trial continued for 10 months. And all of them pleaded not guilty to charges of first-degree murder, attempted murder, and conspiracy to commit murder. Of course they did. And they had a lot of evidence on these bitches. (sighs) It included tracking of mobile device movements... Over 100 text messages between Jennifer and Daniel in the six hours before the killing. (laughs) Um, The weird robbery, like how it was sort of staged. Oh, it was very staged. (laughs) um, The irregularities in Jennifer's testimonies. Yeah. They used Jennifer's obsession with Daniel against her, her lack of emotion, and her confession. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) the confession alone would have been enough, but I feel like, you know, you start adding those things on top and there's just no, uh, there's no lying your way out of this one, Jennifer. Exactly. So there were two really damning things that came out in court and I can't wait to hit you with them. Hmm. Hit me with your best shot. So (laughs) the biggest irregularity that came out Jennifer was not assaulted, she wasn't taken to the basement, and she wasn't shot. So, all lies. Right. And it leaves behind an eyewitness. Mm-hmm. Big flaw in the story. Yeah. And the most critical piece of evidence came from Han himself. And this one's good. Well, yeah, he was, he, he, he knows what happened, right? He survived. So what is the truth? He said he had a strange memory of seeing Jennifer chatting amicably with one of the intruders at the top of the stairs. Oh, I bet it was homeboy. You know it was homeboy. Yeah. Well, Sniper was obviously just driving, so. Obviously, he's innocent in this whole thing. Just ask him. Who was she talking to? Was it homeboy? It's not clear who she was talking to. It was homeboy. Exactly. (laughs) Now, Daniel, David, and homeboy were all convicted on December 13th, 2014, and each received a life sentence with a possibility of parole after 25 years. In December 2015... Sniper received an 18-year sentence after pleading guilty to conspiracy to commit murder with the possibility of parole after nine years. Excuse me. That's too soon. And I guess it's because he was only the driver? Yeah. That he got a lesser sentence? Yeah, Sniper, the driver. Yeah. Sure. Now, Jennifer Pan was also sentenced to life with the possibility of parole after 25 years. For the murder of her mother and attempted murder of her father. Good. I mean, really, like, matricide? It's really disrespectful. <laughs> Come on, Jennifer. <laughs> but now, it re- it's horrible. An even better punishment than that? Jennifer's father, Han, and her brother, Felix, 
requested a literal fucking court order that banned Jennifer from ever contacting them again. Oh my God, yes. And despite objections from defense lawyers, the judge filed that order. (laughs) That's amazing. Again, a huge middle finger. Yeah, she can never contact her own family. Good. Good. And I think it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, I mean... She tried to kill them. <laughs> yeah. And successfully killed one. Like, she is not okay. Correct. And she's also banned from ever contacting Daniel again. Okay. I'm, Though it's I'm, unclear as to how that came about. Yeah, it seems like a... I mean, not that I, like, really want her to. I'm just like, I don't know, that seems kind of superfluous. Right. Shall we say, yeah. Agreed. But okay. Work. So... Jennifer, our heroine? No. <laughs> no. What do you call the main character of this story? Not a heroine. Uh, a heroine addict, maybe. <laughs> I'd like to I'd, Our guess. fraudstress? <laughs> our fraudstress. I like fraudstress. Yeah, Jennifer, our fraudstress... Yes. ...is serving her sentence at the Grand Valley Institution for Women in Kitchener, Ontario, and will be eligible for parole in 2039. If I were the judge, I would be denying that parole. Right. She's a murderer. Right. And an attempted murderer and a, a fraudstress. And a liar. And, like, I, I get so, fr- I'm like, all of that on top of it, but I get so frustrated with, with these lying types that just go around and around and around with you. It's, it's, it's beyond maddening. <laughs> I know we joke a lot here, but... Yeah. Wrong is wrong. Wrong is wrong. And um, I don't really think, she doesn't seem like the type that has any remorse. Correct. I, I don't I don't think she feels bad at all. I don't think this girl has felt bad a day in her life. I believe that's very likely. Now, this case is interesting because yeah. it's brought a lot of attention in Canada and globally to the idea of recognizing the mental and psychological pressure that uh, parenting may have gone too far. Oh, yeah. Uh, Now, on that side of things, I absolutely can see that. I do think parenting can go too far, and I do think that parenting went too far in this case. Right. But it's not all their fault, either. No, and to blame the victim would be... Oh, yeah, no, no, no. No, We're, no. I'm definitely not trying to no, blame. No, that's what I mean. Like, I don't no. think anyone should blame the victim, but I do think in this instance, parenting did go too far. And I think, especially as a queer person, mm-hmm. I can really relate to the idea of parenting gone too far. I, I, I get that. Like, trying to, like, course correct every move you make, trying to steer you in this specific path. Yes. That you're not even consciously aware of. Yes, because, like, our yeah. parents have this idealized version of who we should be. Right. And there's so much pressure to live up to that, especially when you're younger. It, no, it's true. And um, uh, let, let's if we're all honest with ourselves, that pressure can be so... So destructive and heavy. And you're just, you're under pressure all the time. Literally. And it, it it can cause people to crack. And you just have to be, I think, very careful about not taking things too far one way or another. You know? And But honestly, like, you also have to learn to throw all of those expectations out the damn window and just be yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Don't, I mean, there's no need to create elaborate lies. No. Like, uh, you know. Be yourself to free yourself. Ooh, it's I love it. the best thing you'll ever do. Yeah, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. What a great story. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You brought it. <laughs> Bring it to you every week. Yeah, well, I don't know. Every other week. Every other week, yeah. Hey, you trying to cheat me out of my episodes? Maybe. <laughs> That's okay. Um... On that note, I do have a great uh, little strange tale coming up for you. Um, I promise you will not want to miss it. It's coming up right now. Hey, Emma. Yeah? Emma Lou. <laughs> yeah. Emma Marine. <laughs> yeah. Emma Marine. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard 
of Reverend Philip Mercer? Uh, no. Should I have? No, 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 no. Um, I certainly didn't know about it until I came across this. And honestly, that's not even accurate. I didn't come across this myself. Um, this is a special user-submitted uh, strange tale from Alyssa, our resident expert consultant. Oh, Alyssa! Yes! You are a fierce fan and an all-around lovely person. Very that, very that. Uh, I mean, all of our listeners are lovely people, but man, Alyssa has been such an MVP. Seriously, shout out to Alyssa. You know, snaps for Alyssa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, <laughs> we could go on and on about Alyssa. But let's talk about the Reverend Dr. Philip Mercer Ganache. Okay. <laughs> That's not this Silky? Yeah, <laughs> a descendant, long line of ganaches. Um, so let's start, actually, uh, by talking a little bit about the history of the first Unitarian Church in Alton, Illinois. Okay. Sounds exciting, right? Very. So, <laughs> it was originally built in 1980. That was not the right year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally looking at the, the the numbers 1830 and I read 19 whatever. Um it so it was built originally in 1830. Okay, there's a big difference in those. <laughs> yeah, 1830. Mm-hmm. Got it. Numbers are important. Um so the church was originally named St. Matthew's Catholic Church, right? Now, okay. one of the more interesting things is that the area in which the church is situated is reportedly known as Heathen Hill. Okay, well, I didn't think I could be interested in a church, but you've done it. I know, a church on Heathen Hill? Ugh. Sign me up. (laughs) Now, the church actually burned down entirely in 1854. Hey, I got that one right. Now, it literally left only the foundation of the church standing. So, nothing, really. Uh, Right, so it just (laughs) burned down. Yes, Now, immediately after the devastating fire, the Unitarian Society decided to build its own church on that same site. And they were going to use the original foundation that was left after the fire. You want ghosts? That's how you get ghosts. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, Now, at this point, on that note, it's actually kind of interesting. The Catholics from St. Matthew's, after their church burned down, they made the right call. (laughs) <laughs> and said, hell no, I don't want any part of this poltergeist shit. Uh, good on them, because <laughs> right? that's how you get ghosts. Exactly. They were smart. The first Unitarians were like, eh, we're just going to go ahead and build. So they relocated their church, and the first Unitarians dedicated their new building on October 14th, 1855. Now, here's a really fun fact. The first high school in the town of Alton, Illinois, actually began in the basement of the original first Unitarian Church building. Now, I say original because, believe it or not, the church burned down again, almost entirely, in 1901. Now, I have to ask, are they using pyrotechnics? Right. You know, it it could be because, you know... uh, Firework safety is a huge concern. You know, obviously, it's something that I spend a lot of my time volunteering, spreading the message <laughs> about uh, firework safety. So, yeah. <laughs> now, by 1905, the first Unitarians were able to build the church back up once again. Now, this time, however, the building would stand the test of time. And in fact, uh, the church as it was built in the early 1900s stands to this very day. Okay, mm-hmm. so they didn't burn this one down. No, they somehow, I they, they said, from now on we're doing the fireworks outside, okay? <laughs> Good for them. I'm really <laughs> glad they learned. <laughs> yeah, they're like, Carl, no more of your indoor fireworks. You're fired. <laughs> God, Carl. <laughs> now, let's flash forward to 1928. This is when Reverend Dr. Philip Mercer Ganache steps into the picture. Now, in all seriousness, Philip Mercer was actually English and was reportedly only 18 years old at the time of his appointment as Reverend at the First Unitarian Church in I Alton. can 
think of so many better things to do at 18. The Reverend turned out to be a huge smash hit success, and everybody absolutely adored him. So everything's going swell, until the Reverend, one day, a Sunday, in 1934, out of nowhere, he started acting very strangely. Now, reportedly, he began stumbling over his words and acting erratically, and this was witnessed by the congregation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, like, something's going on. Yes, but no one could figure out what. Now, Reverend Mercer had been living with a man named James D. McKinney in a room at McKinney's house. Now, he's living with a man in a room. I take with that what you will. Take with that what you Mm -hmm. will. Uh, uh, I know how to take it. It's all speculation, but, um, yeah. (laughs) When I read that, I was like, oh, they were, now I'm doing air quotes. Yeah, they were roommates. So, yeah, they were roommates. (laughs) And um, they actually had lived together nearly the whole time that Reverend Mercer had been at the First Unitarian Church. So, understandably, McKinney became concerned when Mercer hadn't returned home by the following Monday evening. After growing more and more anxious, McKinney eventually decides to stop at the church at around 5 p.m. or so to check on Mercer. As McKinney approaches the church, he notices that the lights are on in the back of the building. So he walks in and begins heading in that direction. As he turns through the halls of the church, he begins to see in the distance a well-lit room at the end of the hallway, and hanging in the doorway, he sees the shadow in the shape of a human form. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Yeah, like Sixth Sense style. Like, you know, when they, yeah. As he gets closer and closer to the hanging body, he was able to immediately recognize it as that of Reverend Philip Marceau. He had apparently hanged himself from a door support bar with a fancy piece of, quote, sash cord. Okay, first of all, that's horrible. It is horrifying and horrible. Second of all, what the fuck is sash cord? You know, I don't, I think it's like the, um, like kind of like that rope, the, the, like ceremonial ropes and yeah, drapes, yeah, yeah. maybe. Okay, yeah. Like I'm when, getting a picture. Like, think when you, like, gra- you graduate and you get, like, the, the ropes for like honors or yes. whatever nonsense. I I never had a rope. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was determined that the reverend had suffered a nervous breakdown and had been dead for at least 24 hours by the time he was found by McKinney. And because there was a chair knocked over nearby, the coroner ruled his death a suicide, though no note was ever found. Curiously, The reverend's office was in a state of disaster. It wasn't just the knocked-over chair. It was almost as if the entire office had been ransacked. While some people think it could be a sign of something, you know, more sinister, like murder, authorities at the time simply attributed it to the reverend's apparent nervous breakdown. I wonder if the nervous breakdown would be why he was talking weirdly. That would explain... Potentially, um, but there was, you know, it's weird to just out of nowhere, but yeah, he wouldn't be the first person in the world. No, it's also weird. Yeah. So no one really knows what happens. And in the years since the Reverend's death, numerous encounters of the spoopy variety have been reported in abundance. Those are my favorite kind of encounters. Yes. Hit me with it, please. Okay. The most common experience that people claim is they see shadowy figures moving around a lot. They hear disembodied voices, and they often hear doors that open. They don't hear the doors. They don't just hear the doors. They hear them. They see the doors opening and shutting for no reason on their own. And, to top it all off, there is an infamous piano that routinely plays itself, even though it definitely should not be. It's not a pianola, 
Yas, yas, yas. Can we go to there? Oh, please. Like, can you imagine the creepy vibes? I never thought I would say this in my life. I want to go to church. (laughs) First time in 32 years I've ever said this. Are are we allowed? Are queers allowed in church? Or or will they just start throwing holy water on us and like... I think in this case we can make an exception because it's for a ghost. Well, maybe... Let's. I wonder if the first Unitarian Church will have us. I would love to do an episode there. Let's. We'll do all of. Do, cover the whole thing. We'll, we'll meet <laughs> Doctor Ganache himself. Yeah. Oh, I would love to. Honestly, he sounds like a really cool guy. Like, yeah. Really interesting. And honestly, I need to know what happened. Ugh. Um. So though the the first Unitarian Church in Alton is um a particularly active haunted location, as I just said. <laughs> it turns out that the entire town of Alton, Illinois is pretty much just haunted. Take me there now. Yeah, right. It got better. <laughs> so there's the First Unitarian Church and Reverend Mercer, but there's also the McPike Mansion. Now this place, the McPike Mansion, it is believed to be haunted by the original owners, Eleanor and Henry McPike, among other spirits that linger. So you're telling me Disney's Haunted Mansion was based on a true place? Obviously. Shit! I don't think Disney does anything original. Oh, I probably shouldn't say Uh that. (laughs) Oh, Disney, you've been burned. You just been Ginsburg. (laughs) Disclaimer, I love Disney. (laughs) We all do. Um... So, in addition, there is also the Milton School in Alton, uh, where a young girl disappeared after being left alone in the building one night. Now, allegedly, the girl, whose name is Mary, was skipping down the stairs towards the gym when she heard a noise and was then discovered the next morning in the girl's locker room, covered in blood, with her clothes just all torn up, almost like she had been, like, some monster had attacked her like a like with claws in it. Now, I want to go to all these haunted places in Alton, but uh Mary, I'm cooling on you. I don't <laughs> I don't need to meet Mary. You don't want to meet the creepy little Mm-mm. girl ghost? Uh-uh. Yeah, same. Um nowadays people uh report hearing footsteps in the school. Um items will apparently disappear and then reappear, and some have even claimed to see and or hear Mary herself. Again, Mary, I'm cooling (laughs) on you, you little prankster. (laughs) She is a prankster. It's not cool to take people's stuff, Mary. But how many times have we talked about the fact that we would be doing the same thing? You you got me. Right? I would. Like, if if you're a ghost and you're not pranking people with with this stuff, what are you even doing? Like, what are you doing with your ghost life? (laughs) Make better ghost choices. Exactly. Make better ghost choices. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> so, lastly, that's not it. There are over a dozen allegedly haunted locations in Alton, Illinois. Um, and this has led some to call it America's most haunted small town. And uh, there are plenty of tourism companies that I'm sure will be willing to take your money. And they can take you on a uh, nighttime tour. And uh, that is, you know, if you can stomach it. Let's go. Let's go now. Yas, Gaga. Let's go yesterday. Let's go last week. Let's cancel this show right now and go yesterday, last week. Yeah, we're done here. (laughs) We hope you're enjoying the show. We certainly do. Um, I know we're having a total blast making it, if you can't tell. <laughs> on a real note, we really are. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, we're sitting here laughing our asses off, so you probably can't tell. Yeah. But yeah, we have fun. Not a bad way to spend a spend an hour. No. Thanks uh, for joining us. As we're winding down the show, just a quick reminder to please hit that like, subscribe, follow button, whatever the fuck it is, wherever you're listening to us right now. Yep, just hit all the buttons and hope for the best. Uh, give us a follow, please, on Insta at That Strange Podcast and on Twitter at That Strange Pod. Feel free to send us an email at That Strange Podcast at gmail.com. 
That's right. You can also send us a voice message by visiting our Anchor page, where you can also help us out by becoming an official supporter of this show. That's right. All of these links can be found in the episode descriptions for your pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, this is That Strange Podcast asking you, as always, to look after one another and be kind to each other. Yeah. And make better ghost choices. Yeah, if you're haunting... Just have fun. Like, pranks. Knock some shit over. Pranks and schemes and Mm -hmm. such. Start a record player. Make your best ghost choices. Yeah. That's all. That's it. (laughs) It's the end of our PSA. Are we sure? Is there any more? No. (laughs) That's all. This episode is brought to you in part by our otherworldly demonic sponsor, the ghost with the most, the looses of juices, Beetlejuice. That's right, Beetlejuice is there for all your human exorcism needs, serving demonic pranks from the afterlife. Oh no, I've said it twice now. It should be fine as long as I don't say it again. For all of your haunting needs, look no further than Beetlejuice. Ah, you almost got me there, bitch. But I'm not crazy enough to say Beetlejuice three times. Oh, 